What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods here, and we are here with Nigel Hill, Delaware cornerback, prepping up for the NFL draft. And this guy's a multiple-time All-CAA selection, an FCS All-American from the spring season. It was an intricate part to why Delaware found themselves in the final four of the FCS playoffs in the spring season, man. So, Nigel, appreciate you hopping on the show. Thank you for having me. And so let's go way back, man. You know, you're out of Baltimore, a very competitive high school circuit up there in the up there in that area. I don't think a lot of people give you guys credit for how good that high school football is, but very accomplished. What who was recruiting you the hardest? Which teams were recruiting you the most? Got you. Um, so out of high school, I probably I really wasn't that much of a highly recruited guy. Um, I think I was probably ranked like a two star coming out of high school. Um Leaving high school, I had about four offers. Um, I had uh, FC. I had Toledo was probably my biggest offer. I had Old Dominion, also. Uh, I had Monmouth, and then obviously my fourth one was was the University of Delaware. Um, and then you know I really didn't want to leave home uh, that too far home because family is such a big part um, for me uh, personally. Uh, so I wanted for my family to be able to me able to get to all my games so Toledo was kind of out uh just because it's all the way in Ohio um I wanted to be old Dominion but you know things happened things fell through the cracks you know uh about having an offer really being there you know actually being on the table once you wanted to commit you know another another guy might have committed there um you know that offer might not still be available by the time you want to you know to commit so Delaware was just you know probably the best fit for me I'm so happy that I made that selection to go to the University of Delaware just because you know I feel like it's a second home it's just an extension from home for home for me yeah, and I mean, you get to Delaware, man, you redshirt, and then the next season you become an immediate contributor. But you had a coaching change right after you got to campus. How tough was that for you? And just kind of walk me through the process of what that coaching change was like for the program. You know, well, I mean, that coaching change, having Danny Rocco come in, he really just changed the whole culture around. Uh, you know, when I was there uh, for the one year, when Coach Brock was there, you know, Coach Brock was a great guy, great coach, you know, but – Honestly, he just couldn't get couldn't get things rolling, couldn't get everybody, you know, under underway. Um, but Coach Rocco, when he came in, he was able to get everybody to get rolling, getting everybody under the same page, getting everybody working uh, as to one goal. And that one goal was always to make a run into the FCS playoffs. That was always his main goal was to make a run in the FCS playoffs. He always told us that we need to win eight games uh, or more uh, to win our conference championship, and then to make a run into the FCS playoffs. And, you know, that took a little time. Um, we always had talent. Delaware always had the talent, as you know, um, being able to put, you know, Bilal Nichols into the NFL. Uh, Blaine Woodson was also in the NFL for a short stint. Um, from that 2017 class and then following that right up, you know, Nasir Adderley getting drafted in the second round and then Troy Reader, um, you know, just won a Super Bowl for the LA Rams. So we've always had talent coming out of University of Delaware. It was just always just making sure that we were all working to a common common goal. Um, and I think Danny Rocco, that's kudos to Danny Rocco for just making sure that everybody was under the same uh, same page. Everybody was on the same page, uh, to be honest. And and then, you know, what is – what is uh, that's actually a perfect segue into, like, my next question about head coach, you know, Danny Rocco. What is he like behind the scenes, and what's his relationship like with the players in the locker room? I mean, honestly, you know, 
when he's with the media, you can you can kind of portray him as an, a very serious guy. But honestly, he's kind of he's a very funny guy. He's a very humble guy. Um, he always likes to talk to his players. He's actually one of the most funniest guys that I know personally, just because you know he's always cracking jokes. Um, you know, we always go back and forth. I told him that one time I was like, Coach, you know, I used to play quarterback when I was in, you know, Little League. And he said, I bet you was, you know. Um, he was like, just because, you know, the athletic uh, ability. It's like everybody used to play quarterback in, um, in in Little League. But that's neither here nor there. But Coach Rocco really just loved his players. Uh, one For one, I know that for certain. Just because the, the passion that he had um, – the, the intricate detail that he will put into every single week. He always had a game plan where he let our, us believe that we were going to win. Um, you know, we never went into a week thinking that we were going to be out outmatched, whether or not that was an FBS opponent or an FCS opponent. And that was always, you know, kudos to him for just saying how, how detailed and how well prepared he was. Um, and I think that really led, led us to, you know, when that COVID year hit, um, that was probably the, the best year where I could show you where his attention to detail never wavered um, just because he took that same that same passion, that same uh, energy into every single week, whether or not a game got canceled or whether we were playing, you know, somewhere up in Rhode Island or something, uh, somewhere. He always gave us that full 100 percent commitment. And that's actually the season I wanted to talk about next. We'll get into the major success you guys had in a second, but walk me through what it was like to hear the, the fall seasons canceled and then just kind of be in limbo. You didn't know, like you said, if you were going to be sitting at home when you should have been playing or playing a top-notch opponent in the CAA. So for you, how tough was the COVID season on yourself? And then kind of talk about what it was like as a program. Gotcha. Well, you know, COVID was really, I feel like it was very tough for everybody for being completely honest, not just football players, but, you know, going into that year, that was my senior year, um, would have been my, my, my last senior year. So I knew that I wanted to make a big impact that year. So knowing that my season would have got canceled, knowing whether or not I knew that I was going to either be able to play again, whether or not my eligibility would still remain. Um, I didn't know whether or not I was even going to be able to have an opportunity to play my senior year. And that would have been very heartbreaking for me just because not only did I have dreams and aspirations of making it to the NFL, but I wanted to leave on a big note, um, knowing that I never would have be our arch rival Villanova. You know, I've always been told from players in the past who was never being Villanova saying like, you know, don't let that happen to you. Don't let that happen to you. And, and for me not to have that opportunity to at least try my very last time, you know, at least try to get that back um, would have been very heartbreaking. But, you know, I just trusted trusted the process to trust the Lord, um, knowing that some way or another he was going to make something happen for, for me and my family. So what I did personally, I just never stopped working out. Um, I used to go running by myself uh, on the tracks back in Baltimore and just trying to run, stay in shape, uh, going to the fields when I could, um, sneaking sneaking in when I could because, honestly, they were all shut down. Um, it was multiple times where I got pulled off the fields um, from police officers saying, you know, you can't be here be, you know, due to COVID. Um, I would try to get workouts with other DBs and wide receivers in the Baltimore area. Um, and then since it was over, you know, 10, 10 or 15 guys, you know, social distancing was a thing that we couldn't be together for so long so we would try to get in as many reps as possible before you know 
uh, you know, police officials were would come and pull us off the field. And those guys were were good. Um, they would let us get our our reps in uh, at the as much as we can. Um, it was never it was never violent or anything of that nature. But you know, it was just hard just because you get very complacent. Uh, especially when COVID was over a year, a year and a half, honestly, you get complacent about knowing whether you're going to play or not. And you really wonder to yourself whether or not does all of this matter? Um, you know, you're working out, you're working out so much and you're wondering to yourself, oh, is this even going to pay off? Is this going to even, you know, am I even going to have a season? Am I working out in vain? That's the, a lot of things that was going through my head. But honestly, I never really worry i never tried to think about those negative thoughts i just kept saying to myself that it's going to pay off you know it did um, going into our success successful season in the spring and that man I, I, it's almost like you see the questions on your screen so <laughs> well what made that spring 2021 team so special and and how were y'all able to achieve as much as you guys did well what made that team uh in that season just so special was just because everybody had that same hunger i feel like that i did you know it's kind of it's so hard to get a whole team to have the same kind of hunger and burning passion that the seniors do uh, especially when it comes to freshman guys who just came in and those freshmen also you know i feel like in their first time in their life whether or not it's been an injury or not has gotten football taken away from them and when you have football taken away from you uh it's just it's such a it's probably one of the worst feelings, you know, in the world, uh, especially coming from an athlete who's been playing football since the age of five. So when you have that hunger and passion that your seniors do, same as the freshmen, then you have a very, very hard team to beat. Um, you know, going into that 2021 uh, season, we had a chip on our shoulder just because, you know, we didn't have the successful season. I think the the year prior, I think we went five and seven, um, you know, uh, and it was one, it was really kudos to our, we had a new defensive coordinator that year too, uh, Coach Manny Rojas. And he came in and changed our whole defense around. And Coach Rojas was with us before. Um, a couple guys didn't. Uh, but I remember Coach Ro Rojas when we had uh, made a playoff run in, in 2018, I believe, when we went against JMU uh, in the first play, in, in the first round, we got we got eliminated. But Coach Rojas has always been a guy who, who has energy. And him bringing that energy fed the defense you know we had one of the best defenses in the country that season um and then you know once you know one side of the ball gets the rocking you know that competitiveness and we haven't played football in over a year that juice and that energy and that camaraderie is just is just contagious basically so once you start getting like once you start getting that energy and camaraderie it's kind of hard to explain but you just start getting that momentum and you start rolling and then once you start rolling against guys getting up on guys early in the games and plus like i said for covid some guys might have not taken it as serious um because they said well since we started figuring out that oh well we'll get our eligibility back next year you know we weren't thinking about next year we were just happy and thankful that we were able to play football again uh with our with our brothers so we were taking that into full full advantage of it and every time we went out on that field we were playing for each other and we were playing as, as hard as we could as possible because we knew that football could be snatched away from us uh whenever um whether or not that be our fault or you know some some other uh, energy's fault but that spring season was such a great time um and i will never forget it uh 
and then with that success, you know, we had a CAA championship, made it to the final four uh, in, the F- in the FCS playoffs, you know, and I'll never forget it. Yeah, and I mean, you kind of you mentioned before that, you know, it was supposed to be your senior year. You decide to come back. We're, what was your decision pro- decision making process like? Did you think about going to the draft? And if so, what drew you back to Delaware for one more year? I did. I highly did consider uh, going to the draft that year. Um, you know, I even, believe it or not, uh, wanted to even transfer just because COVID had so many, like so many question marks. You know, that was the reason why I wanted to leave in that draft uh, the year prior was because that was my my high school uh, class, basically. So I knew a lot of guys getting drafted in that high school, um, in that draft class. And I knew that I was uh, not only could I compete with them on that level, but I believe deep down that I was better than uh, a couple of guys that did get drafted that year. Um, also, like when it comes to the transferring part, you know, I didn't know if the University of Delaware was going to honor my scholarship. Um, that was a lot of that's a, I saw a lot of FCS guys actually leaving their um, their schools because their their scholarships weren't being weren't, weren't being honored because, you know, COVID uh, protocols, they weren't um, the, there wasn't enough money to, you know, honor those guys scholarships because of the incoming classes. So I also was considered about considering going into the transfer portal. But, you know, I think Chrissy Raywalk, the R. Uh, University of Delaware's athletic director for honoring not only mine, but all of the seniors uh, scholarships that were previously on uh, scholarships. So that was a a huge, huge um, thing for me to uh, come back because, you know, I've so I've honestly put blood, sweat and tears into that university. And the fact that they were able to, you know, reciprocate that, that kind of love um, for me was a huge thing on coming back and, you know, just finishing it off strong, you know, just being with my brothers one more time, honestly, you know, that spring season, you know, I didn't want to just leave my brothers high and dry. No one has ever, you know, transferred from Delaware since I've been there. You know, we've always gotten transfer guys in, but no one has ever really transferred out of Delaware, you know, and has made it all the way to the very end. We've always finished it out. So I feel like I would have been, you know, leaving my brothers high and dry if I didn't, finish it out with them so that was the one those are two main reasons why i wanted to stay and it it paid off man another all-american season for you again that just adds to your long list of accomplishments but let's let's go back to freshman year nigel hill and compare him to the guy that's entering the draft that i'm talking to right now how has your game on the field evolved from freshman year until now (laughs) well Coming in freshman year, I probably, you know, I was probably soaking wet, probably 170, if that. You know, I was still probably about 5'10", but I wasn't as big, wasn't as physically, you know, uh, ready for the college football. Um, I thought I was. Um, when I did redshirt, I cried because I, did, I knew I was better than a lot of guys um, in the defensive back room, and I felt like I could contribute also. Um, I knew a couple, you know, freshman guy, true freshman guys out in the, uh, in the country in the CAA that didn't redshirt, and I saw them competing, uh, and I wanted to, you know, contribute for my team as well. But, I mean, it did pay off in the end that I'm thankful that I did redshirt. Uh, but if I had to compare my game and how it's evolved, it's, I've gotten a lot smarter. 
um, as a as a player, um, I'm able to diagnose a lot of receiver splits and formations now. Before then, you know, when you're just a, a freshman, you don't really understand film study as much as much as a uh, as you know an older guy does. So you really got to learn. Um, one one person or two people in particular who who taught me that was Malcolm Brown and Nasir Adderley. Those are the two guys that really just taught me how to break down film what to watch, um, what to look for in QB's tendencies and when, you know, whether or not when he takes his pre-snap uh, progressions, wherever he looks last, that's probably where he's going to go. Um, you know, I picked up on certain things about that for QBs in our league. Um, also, you know, certain formations are higher percentage runs or higher percentage, pa higher percentage passes um, and things like that. So, you know, and then just being more physical, honestly. Uh, my redshirt year, I got a shoulder injury just because I wasn't as, you know, physically ready for for the uh, college college football toll that takes on your body. Um, but being, like, more physical, I probably gained about 15, 15 solid pounds now, about, about 185, 190, um, and still being able to keep that speed uh, speed up uh, was very important for, for me um, in my game. Uh, because you know, speed is my is my biggest asset. You know, being able to be quick and being able to be fast, being able to co cover people, and also being physical at the same time. I feel like that's that's something that is my one of my greatest assets, honestly. And just being, I feel like I've always had that inner dog um, mentality, honestly. That's never. I've always been feisty. I've always been able, one of those guys who's on the field talking, no matter what, no matter who's in front of me, whether or not it be an offensive lineman, whether or not it be a quarterback, whether or not it be a coach. You know, if a coach is talking to me on the sideline, I'm gonna talk back. It's not, it's not rocket science for me over here. But you know, I feel like those are those are my key things that just help me that that make me tick. Oh man, I love it. Even talking to the coaches, but we'll get yeah. in, we'll get into that because because that's one of the next questions about trash talking on the field, but. You know, looking at the NFL right now, is there an NFL player that you think you model your game after? Oh, a hundred percent. Probably Kenny Moore, uh, the slot cornerback for the for the Colts. I look up to him a lot, honestly. If and if he's hearing this this interview, I'd be astonished. I would be so so happy that he's hearing it. If I, if I when I do make it to the NFL, I do want to talk to him personally just to pick his brain, just because you know he's a he's a smaller school guy too. Uh, I, I know he came from a lower uh, from the lower end, didn't go to a power five school, um, didn't get invited to the NFL draft. I mean, to the NFL combine. Um, but performed well at his pro day and got a shot. Uh, it was an undrafted guy. Um, so one, and I know he takes his film study very, very seriously. I've heard and watched multiple interview interviews on him on how much he does prepare uh, himself for getting getting ready for an NFL game. So if I could talk to one of them, um, talk to him one day, that would be such a blessing. Um, but. In prior years, I would probably want to say I want I like to model myself off of either Darrell Revis, just because of how technically sound he was when it came to just being a, a cornerback. I feel like he was for modern days, God, the first shutdown corner. You know, obviously Dion Dion Sanders was the the prototype. You know, but Darrell C. Revis was technically a little undersized. I think he was like a five eleven guy. Um, wasn't wasn't the tallest, but he was able to go up against guys like Des Bryant, who's six three. You know, Calvin Johnson, six five guys, and and shut those guys down. So he he was honestly one of the guys who took his technical ability and his athletic ability and put it together just so just to show you if you do you know put in the work and put in the right amount of hours perfecting your craft um with your technique that you know you could be 
one of the, if not the best corners in the uh, NFL, you know, going down in history as probably one of the best, uh, if not the best corner in the, uh, in the league. Top two, in my opinion, it's got to be Dion and him right there. In yes, top sir. two, if I if I had to guess, but you know, I was I was an O lineman, and usually we're not very superstitious. I was. I had my whole pregame routine kind of laid out. I had to do my thing. Are you very superstitious before a game? And if you are, what's your pregame routine? I am. I am very superstitious. You know, um, it's kind of it's kind of had its nicks and, and tweaks uh, every every year. Um, but it's always the, the main thing, you know, I want to get there like very, very, uh, very, very early, you know, I'm, and I had my headphones in the whole entire day. Um, I had my head, my coaches even know, like when they're doing their, their pregame uh, speeches and stuff, like going over the game plans, they know that I'm going to still have one earphone in, one earphone out. I'm still listening, paying attention, but I'm also getting in my mode just because I know that for me to get in that mode, it takes a little bit longer than a lot of other guys, you know. I gotta. I like to go through my game plan first. You know, don't want to get too hyped too early because if you get too hyped too early, you won't have that kind of energy that you need uh, that will last you out throughout the game. So, honestly, I like to have my headphones on the whole time. I'm not really a guy who likes to go around talking a lot to a lot of people. Um, I'm probably one of, if not the first guy out on the field every single time before any coaches, before any players from the opposite team are even out there um, for home and away. Um, if we're running late uh, because we're at our away game, I'm kind of mad because it's like I need to get out there on the field because I want to do my pregame stretching and stuff. You know, I like to stretch, uh, get a quick, couple quick runs in before, and I want to stretch and do my footwork, my DB drills. And then if I can, if I still got an extra, a little bit of extra time, I want to get some one-on-ones with our receivers, getting some releases down just because I know I'm going to be in press man. I'm going to be an off man a lot. Um, because it's not like we were just a, a man and cover three team. We were a multiple a multiple defense uh, team. So I was going to be playing off. I'm going to be playing press. I'm going to be playing like five yards, six yards. So I'm going to be doing a lot a lot of different things. So it's just I just can't practice one thing, you know, just to get ready. I got to practice multiple looks, multiple sets uh, so I can get ready. Um, that's why I'm always want to be the first, if not the first, one of the first guys out there um on the on the practice field. Then after that I go back in inside, get my get my pads on and stuff, whatnot, get taped up and I'm still listening to music throughout the whole time. And then after that it's ready to go, ready to rock and roll. I like it. And so you've already kind of answered this. So we'll have to kind of expand on it. So instead of are you a trash talker during the game, how much trash do you talk during the game? I got you. <laughs> um I really don't stop. Uh, it's not a how. It's not a how much. It's just like when do you stop talking, talking trash for me? <laughs> honestly, um, I do like to gauge the receiver that I'm playing. Um, if if I can get into his head early, it's going to be a very long game, you know. Honestly, um, but one thing about me, like towards the end of my, I had I was talking a lot of more trash in the beginning of my of my uh, uh, collegiate career just because I was getting a lot, tested a lot more, you know. Um, a lot of guys were saying, oh, it's a freshman corner, you know, we're going to pick on him a lot. And that really didn't work out too well for a lot of guys, you know, because I was I was making a lot of plays there. Um, but, you know, talking trash, getting under receiver skin, you know, talking about what their stats are, why, how many catches he gets during the game, like during weeks prior if he had a good game the week prior i'll let him know that it's not happening today or if he had a terrible week prior i'll tell him how easy it is today you know stuff like that talking trash to the 
to you know offensive linemen just because y'all know y'all like to bully us you know every time yeah. every time you know y'all see a, a little db having to set the edge or something you know y'all supposed to demolish us and i feel like if y'all if you don't demolish me i won that rep so if i'm winning that rep you know whether or not you push me back a couple yards or not i know i'm supposed to be on my ass and if i'm not on my ass and if i'm up talking you know, I'm gonna let you hear about it. You know, I'm gonna be like, that's why you didn't put me on on the ground. This and the third, you know, we got into a couple, you know, not a, a fist fights, but no, a couple altercations with with linemen, you know. And I was just happy, you know, to have my my defensive lineman have my back, you know, because I know you guys probably just be like, yo, why is this little guy talking to me and stuff, and try to just move <laughs> to the side. But when you have when you have your brothers behind your back, you know, another guy who's about six four, six five, three hundred pounds. You know, you feel a little better. You know, you feel a little better about talking trash to a to a guy who's about six three, six four. You know, but you know, talking trash is just a way. For me, honestly, I've been taught that DB is supposed to talk trash because we're playing the hardest position on the field. Like you got to go backwards. You're running backwards. You're running backwards at full speed, and you got somebody who's running four four, four five, or even four three running full speed at you. And if you can stop them because and they know where they're going and you have no clue where they're, they're going, you have to talk trash because you have to hype yourself up because nobody else will. You know, you're the last line of defense basically at all times, you know. And if you have a great game and you have one bad play, that one bad play could cost you cost you guys the game. So if you're not the one that's hyping you up, if you aren't giving yourself that inner that inner confidence, you know, you always have to be confident at db no matter what whether or not you give up a bad play whether or not you make a great play you always have to have that inner confidence so if you're talking trash you know that means that just shows me that 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 db is very confident you know um and that's something that i i like to to be is that i like to be confident no matter what and even if even if i do give up a play you know i know that's going to happen those things are always going to happen it's football and if you're playing football at the highest level that's bound to happen but you know you just got to make more plays than you give up and that's why i like talking trash because you know at the end of the game it's never it's never any animosity it's always you know out of love out of the love for the competition of the sport you know i've never i don't think i've ever had any guys who said it you know they hated me uh, after you know talking trash but you know it's just to show my love and passion for the sport of the game man i love your breakdown of why dvs have to talk trash that that <laughs> needs to be like on like some db merch or something like that that's gonna be like your first t-shirt with like the quote on the back i love that and <laughs> you know you don't have to give away all your secrets i know there's some wide receivers that are watching this like man i, I probably should have known this already but what's the number one mistake a wide receiver can make against you the one, the number one mistake a receiver probably can make against me is just, you know, making, not making his, all his routes look the same. You know, certain, certain routes have certain, you know, certain kind of breaks out of them. So with me, I like to see when a, when a receiver makes certain, certain routes, because a lot of receivers, like when they're in their offensive schemes, run certain routes. You know, they're the primary guy, the X guy, runs certain routes. Z, the uh, outside guy on the, to the field, usually runs certain routes. So if uh, usually a guy coming into the league probably runs around four to five like main main routes. You know, so just for an example, it could be a slant, a post, a dig, um, a comeback, and an out. You know, those are his five routes. And if his comeback has a certain look. Um, like if he let's say when he's running his his comeback to 12 yards, he rises up and then sits down. You know, that's a that's a great tell for me. As soon as I see you rise up, 
I'm breaking on the I'm breaking on the comeback no matter what. Because your your comeback doesn't look the same as your dig. Like for your dig, he may run run perfectly, uh perfectly straight and he doesn't rise up at all and he gets out of his break in, in two in two in two steps. You know, that could probably be his best route because he doesn't take as much time to break down for his comeback. For his comeback might not be his his best route because he's rising up, trying to break everything down. He's getting out in four or five steps. So as soon as I see him rise up, I'm sitting on his route and I'm breaking, I'm trying to take it to the crib and then I'm going to let you know about it. So that's one main thing is that for a receiver, I don't, obviously, like you said, don't tell him all your secrets, but to try to make every route look the same, whether or not that be a slant, whether or not that be um, a dig, you know, curl, anything that you're running, try to make everything look the same. Oh man, I like it. And I, and, you know, we've had some wide receivers on the show that said that's like the number one thing that they try to do is everything's got to look exactly the same. I don't want you to know anything that I'm bringing to the table. And, you know, looking at your career, man, I've mentioned the All American Awards. I've mentioned, you know, for the FCS and CAA, you were, you helped lead this team almost to a national championship. Looking back now, what letter grade would you give yourself at, at Delaware? Um, honestly, off based off of success, um, I don't even want to base it off of success. I just want to base it off of what I've learned, um, just being at the University of Delaware. Honestly, you know, I would probably just give it an A, just because of some how much I've grown over the time I've been at the University of Delaware. I mean, a lot of guys can't sit here and say that they played, uh, you know, fifty plus games and started 40, 40 of them. You know, I've started 40 plus games for the for the University of Delaware. I've had my highs and I've had my lows, you know, um, going in from a redshirt freshman starting like about 10 out of the 11 games that I've been in, you know, thinking that you're on top of the world and then coming back and having a sophomore slumber, as people would say, you know, having having your spot taken due to poor play. You know, a lot of people can't sit here and say that they've gone from starting as a redshirt freshman to losing their spot as a sophomore, then coming back that next year and being voted captain, you know, because your coaches see how hard you work and how hard, um, you know, how how much this game means to you that you told to yourself that it would never happen again, you know, so you come back and being a captain and whatnot, and then, you know, battling through injuries, you know, everyone has to battle through injuries and, you know, you don't perform up to your standards. So then now you're three years in, um, and you still haven't made that main contribution that you really wanted to, you know, and then coming back and having the spring season, the spring season that I did, you know, it just feels like it paid off, you know, that all that hard work paid off. And honestly, during that spring season, I wasn't I voted a captain, you know, I wasn't voted a captain, but you know, some guys would even get discouraged and, you know, saying like, well, I didn't make captain. I was a captain the year before. Um, why am I not a captain now? But not being discouraged at all and just, you know, staying true to the process. Um, and not letting anything really phase you, you know, staying as my, my family likes to say, we like to say, um, staying 10 toes down, you know, not letting anything get, get you off your pivot. Um, and then coming back your, your seat, your super senior year being voted a captain once again, you know, I feel like just, it just comes full circle. Now my senior season, I obviously I didn't have the, the amount of, you know, individual success that I had the year prior, just because, you know, I wasn't getting as, as many targets, you know, but that's, that means that you're doing your job. If you're not getting targets as a corner, you know, it means you're doing your job. Um, so 
but having that just come full circle, full swing, um, being voted captain again uh, by your peers, uh, just to show how much like they see your work. You know, when you're acknowledged by your peers and your peers see the amount of work um, and the amount of hunger and drive that you have uh, coming from a guy being thinking that he's on top of the world from a redshirt freshman to not performing well to getting a spot taken to coming back to try to battle through injuries, you know, having the individual success that a lot of people want, you know, and then coming back uh, the following year and being voted captain again, you know, I think it just comes full circle as to just showing you that no matter where you are in life, just for me personally, no matter where you are in life, that you, you gotta be humble and you always have to stay, you know, hungry, no matter what, even if you have your individual success, even if you're, down you know when you think you're at your lowest points um thinking that you're like well this can't get any worse you know always got to be humble humble and always got to be hungry because even when you get the individual success because it will pay off you know hard work will always pay off no matter what but when you do get that individual success you just have to remember those times when you weren't you know that's what i that's what i think helped me was that when i finally did get my individual success it didn't phase me and it didn't bother me um because I honestly, it felt like I still didn't do anything. Cause I remember it like it was just yesterday when I was sitting in my room, you know, mad at myself cause I got my spot took. So, you know, just having that, just having that always that inner drive to show you that, you know, the work is never done as Kobe Bryant was saying, it's always, it's always more work to do. Job's not finished and the job will never be finished until, you know, you six feet, six feet deep in the ground. You know, you always got something more to do. So, like I said, my letter grade, I would give myself an A just because of how much I've grown and how much Delaware has just taught me about life. Oh, man. I love that answer on that one. And, man, finally, last question here. You're headed to the NFL draft. You're getting into the process. If a, if a owner, GM, coach asks you what they're going to get in Nigel Hill, if they select you in April, what do you tell them? I'm going to tell them that you're going to get one of the hardest working guys. Um, I He's going to get a guy who's willing to listen, who's very coachable. He's been through a lot more um, that meets the eye when it comes to being a corner. He's been at highs and he's been at lows. And at the end of the day, he's been he's been able to stay consistent. You're going to get a very consistent guy. Um, he knows how to carry himself when it comes to being coachable. Um, he, you know, you're going to get a very feisty and competitive person um, that never wants to lose. Uh, honestly. You know, if you, if a, a NFL franchise decides to take a chance on me, you'll get a guy who's willing to be a team player. He knows how, how it feels to to be that guy who isn't really looked at, you know, as as much because I wasn't a highly recruited guy and always used to earning what what he's put what he's put out. Um, so you're not going to get a guy who feels like he's entitled. You're going to get a guy who wants to work every day to get better. He's going to try to find – he's going to not try, but he will find the right guys on that roster to help him become a better football player. Um, and at the end of the day, you're going to make probably one of the best decisions in your, in your, you know, in your life just be, by betting on him because he, hadn't, he wasn't bet on a lot throughout his life. But if you get willing to give that guy that, that guy a chance, you know, you he will not make you regret it. I feel like Lamar Jackson, honestly, you know, you won't regret it. But you know, that's how I feel. And I that's why I like him so much. Oh man, I'll I'll love it. And listen, man, when you make the league and you do that jersey swap with uh, Kenny Moore, man, I need to I, I'm gonna be like, I remember when he said he was gonna he was gonna talk to him after a game, man. So congratulations on an on just an outstanding career at Delaware, man. And Good luck on your NFL draft process, man. But let people know where they can follow you, where they can follow your process. You can plug social media, give shout-outs, man. Anything you want to say, this time is yours. 
Got you. Uh, you know, everybody can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at I am Naj. Uh, so it's I am underscore underscore Naj, N-I-J. Um, that's what people like to call me for short. Um, back at home, they call me Naj. Um, you know, shout out to my agents. Uh, shout out to Lamar. Shout out to Anthony and Renaissance uh, Renaissance Sports, you know, for helping me get here um, for this wonderful interview. Uh, I want to shout out to the University of Delaware. Shout out to all my guys who's working on their pro days right now. You know, Gene, Dejan, David Kroll, you know, Frank, Daylon, all the guys, you know, our dreams about to come true in just a, just about a month at right now. Um, want to shout out to my family, my mama, uh, my dad, my dad been there, my mama been there, my sisters, my whole family been there for my whole career. So they been here with me every step of the way, what I, what I just explained to you. So, you know, that's about it. I uh, appreciate you for having me on here. Oh, man, for sure. But, guys, make sure to go follow Nigel on all social media platforms. Follow his journey to the NFL draft. It's all about supporting the players, especially at the FCS level, man. So, But for Nigel, myself, and the Blue Bloods, guys, we are out for right now.